0: You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your sassy source for lifestyle advice, wellness tips, and pop culture dish. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and holistic hustler here to help you get your shit together and laugh through all the chaos of life in your 20s. If you're not doing so already, go and give me a follow at JustPlainZach for really funny Instagram stories, adorable memes, and really cute selfies. <sighs> So, I'm excited for today's guest because she probably loves reality TV and pop culture just as much as I do. She serves up hot fashion takes on Us Weekly, hilarious bachelor recaps on The Jenny McCarthy Show, and she's the host of the top podcast, Reality Life with Kate Casey. Please welcome Kate Casey.
1: Hi, Zach. You Hi. Ready? I'm ready to
0: roll. Are you ready to dish? So we have so much going on in the pop culture world. We have Joe Judice, who is finally a free man. Brandy and Kim, who are teasing a return to Beverly Hills. Miley and Cody. We have Jay Wow and Zach. We have some Vanderpump Rules news. Shannon Doherty coming back on Riverdale. Jane Fonda getting arrested. Kate, okay, we have so much to dive into. Are you ready?
1: I'm ready. I'm ready.
0: So normally on my pop, so we release episodes twice a week. On Mondays, we do pop culture breakdowns. And on Wednesdays, we do deep interviews. And I normally save my icebreaker questions for our Wednesday unfiltered interviews. But I figured because I love you so much, I wanted to have you answer my icebreaker questions before we dive deep. Okay. 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 First question, where did you grow up and where do you currently live?
1: I grew up in Westchester, Pennsylvania, which is a suburb of Philadelphia, and now I live in Newport Beach, California, which is in Orange County, California, home of the Real Housewives of Orange County, well, at least a couple of them, and just next door to the town where they filmed Laguna Beach on MTV.
0: Oh my God! So, have you actually met any of the housewives? In oh like- no.
1: I- yeah, I know all almost all of them. I'm good friends with Bronwyn, who's the new housewife. Mm. And I see a lot of them. I'm I'm I live like a mile from Kelly.
0: I love it. Um what's one word your mother would use to describe you?
1: Um funny. <laughs> Maybe. Uh
0: fun fact, what's one thing people would not expect about KKC?
1: I'm really into politics. I w- worked at the White House. Really? Hmm.
0: I didn't know that. So how did you go from politics to pop culture?
1: Well, I graduated from college and worked at the White House. Um, and then I did legal con- media consulting for law firms. I was a crisis media litigation expert for many years and had my own PR firm. And then I started to have kids and started Taking improv comedy classes on the side and writing. And then as I got more children, I focused more on entertainment. And then I started my podcast about three years ago. And now I'm moving into producing TV shows too. So I've kind of done a pivot in my career. So if you're in your 20s and you're listening to this and you think, gosh, uh, I went to school for this and I've been working at this office, that does not mean that you're going to do that for the rest of your life. And you can absolutely switch careers at any point in your career, and even if you have children.
0: I I love that because I love to invite guests on the show to talk about like having kind of that second life where you have this career that you think is going to be the career for the rest of your life. And then all of a sudden, either by choice or, you know, by mother nature telling you it's time for a shift in your life, um, you know, you, you have to make that pivot and knowing that you'll still be alive even if what you thought was going to be your life is now something different.
1: Well, I thought that I would run for office. I really did. Really? And I, I I I went to college to study political science and I worked on campaigns. And then when I started looking for a job out of college, I found a job working for a PR firm that represented former senators that had gone back to their law firms. And it was absolutely not what I had planned to do, but I always loved media and I always loved politics and that sort of began my journey, my career journey. I will say this. I think it's important once you graduate from college to write down the areas that, find, that you find mo- you're most passionate about. And for me, it was politics, news, and comedy. And I feel very fortunate that I've been able to pursue careers in all of those areas. You just, you know, it's not gonna always happen all at once. But I think it's important to be to feel like you're really fulfilling your manifest destiny is if you spend some time early in your 20s really thinking about the kind of careers the kind of career that you want and the areas that you'd like to have a job, so that you can kind of kind of come up with some idea, a loose plan of the areas you'd like to to work in. And I mean, you could put down engineering, uh, sports and something else, and you would surprise yourself how capable you are of doing that if you set the intention early in your career.
0: Yeah, or just how powerful it is to even like write it and and kind of own it I know like even for me like I remember I think it was maybe like three years ago I was like hmm I think I would really like like a writing gig maybe for like a site on um I like pop sugar pop sugar would kind of be like a fun site to write for so I put like write for a website like pop sugar and now I've published I don't know how many articles for pop sugar and I'm like a regular contributor and I never would have imagined like I wrote down on my little manifestation journal a writing uh, gig for a site like pop sugar and yet you know just putting those words out there and putting that intention out there like the universe is like all right we're gonna give it to you here's your job
1: well also another important thing to know is that you always should be the last person to leave the office and be the first one to show up yeah because the the people that work above you are taking note, and if you're always taking you know coffee breaks you want to take vacations all the time and you leave early, you will never work your way up, and definitely will will not work your way up quick. So show people that you're really serious by getting to the office before everyone and staying longer than everyone else. Always be gracious, write thank you notes to people. Say thank you for your time. I really appreciate what I learned working for you. You cultivate relationships with people and all aspects of your business because you never know where people will end up if you're in the entertainment industry someone's assistant might end up running a a television network 20 years from now you never know what will happen and it's it's in your best interest to cultivate relationships with all people in every facet of every industry that you work in
0: Absolutely. And I think one of the, the mindset um, shifts that I think people need to make, especially people in their 20s right now, is I feel like they come into a job and they're working for a company and they come into it with the attitude of like, what can this company do for me when it should really be, what value can I bring to this company? And you're going to get so much more of a payoff and a reward at the end of the day if you try to bring the value instead of just looking for the benefit only for yourself and for your own career agenda.
1: Absolutely. And remember, everyone's expendable. You could, they could let you go at any moment. You're never feel, you should, you're always in your best position if you're always keeping yourself on your toes. It doesn't, look at the, look at television shows. Anybody on any television show is expendable. No one, no one is there forever.
0: It's true and I think you know when you're at the top of your game or you just kind of feel confident in yourself you think that you are and then you know you you kind of have a, a humble pie moment where you you kind of get you know slammed the universe checks you um I, and I, also
1: one last thing is the mark of true character is the way is the way you react when you get fired or you let go, you're let go and it's going to happen everybody's fired or let go at some point and look at at it as a badge of honor, but it's going to happen. Are you going to be the kind of person that sits and waits for someone to call you because it won't happen? Or are you going to immediately get on the phone and start calling all your old contacts, getting your resume out? You've just got to get back on your feet right away.
0: Yeah, and hustle. And yeah, and you can't allow it. I mean, I think it's okay to take a minute and just be like, okay, I'm going to process this. But then like you have to get back on the horse and you have to be, be ready to... To really hustle. And I think the getting fired and, and and getting laid off is a really great opportunity for you to reevaluate whether or not you are happy with that job or with that career path. Because when you get let go, it's an opportunity to kind of make that shift if you want. Absolutely. I love that we kind of like just had a little convo about career pivots and I love <laughs> getting your backstories that we're going to talk about Juju, Joe Judars and Brandy Glanville and here we are giving career advice. I love it. Um, next icebreaker question is, what is your drink of choice, Kate?
1: Right now it is a Casamigos skinny margarita, no salt.
0: Oh, I love Casamigos. Okay, last icebreaker question, which is my favorite question to ask people. If you had to be reincarnated as a Kardashian, which one would it be?
1: Um, I usually say Rain Disick for the win. <laughs> I feel like he is the he is going to be the one Disick kid that really is. I, I feel like he's going to be the CEO of the Disick children.
0: Really, not Mason.
1: No, I think that Mason is probably an introvert and creative. I feel like if I were to use my, non, my, my non-existent my degree in career um, intuition, I would say that Mason's going to be an artist and be an introvert and kind of in the background. I think Penelope might work for a beauty company just kind of behind the scenes, but I think Rain Disick is going to be an extroverted CEO living in New York City and maybe London as well.
0: Oh, I love that. I love how you've worked out all of their career paths. What about the, the West kids?
1: Um, West kids, I think that they're probably going to all be very private people. I think their lives have been so public yeah, that they're going to do the opposite and want to be very private.
0: Yeah, they're going to be like the Olsen twins.
1: Yes. I
0: like that. Okay, are you ready to, to dive into some of this week's biggest headlines? I'm ready. Okay, so first up, Joe Judice is now a free man. Did you see these photos of him in FaceTiming his daughter, FaceTiming Gia?
1: I did. I think it's a pretty much uh, a known thing that if you leave prison, you're going to be at least 30 pounds skinnier. And I'm excited to see that he looks like he's in better health. I felt like it was pretty dark watching the episodes before he left where he was drinking so much. Yeah. And by the way, who can blame the guy? I mean, it would be terrifying the idea of having to go to prison, but I hope that he stays in good health. And I have to say of all the things to be ex, you know, to to be told you have to leave the country. He is going back to Italy. It's not like he's going to, I don't know, some third world country. I mean, he's yeah. going to a beautiful beautiful country he speaks the language too not so bad yeah and
0: his brother does his brother live in italy i saw a photo of them together once he got to italy
1: no i think that they have family there and he probably went back to their their family remember there there was an episode many years ago where Teresa and joe took the manzos back to Mm -hmm. the hometown where their their parents were kids because Teresa's parents and joe's parents knew each other from the old country so we, they went back to that town. So I'm sure that's where Joe went back to. And I'm sure the relatives were all thrilled to see him return. Yeah, so. I, I, I feel like I can't remember, and somebody who um, has some archival footage index, I, I can't remember if Joe got ultimately got a vasectomy. I've been told no, because they owed money to a fertility clinic, which makes me believe that there was some sort of low sperm count or some kind of issue. Um, I do think there's a possibility if there was not a vasectomy, and this is totally probably gross for you since you're a guy to think about, but I bet you he'll get a, a, an Italian girlfriend. And if there th- there was no vasectomy, that he'll get her pregnant and start a second family in Italy.
0: No doubt. I mean, Teresa's already living her best life over here in in Jersey. She's it seems like she's really kind of moved on from him. And now I mean, and now look at him. Now he looks like Mike, the situation from the Jersey Shore. Like he's like he's toned and he's like he's living his life. He looks good. He was like he looked like a happy little dog with his tongue hanging out the window of the car, riding to Italy. And like he I don't know, I think he's going to start a whole new life and he's going to get a wife and start a new family. And I think good for him.
1: And you know what? I watch that show. If he's, hum, especially if he's a humble person after that experience, which I am assuming he would be, I want to watch that TV show starting life anew in this small Italian town. He has a new wife, has, you know, some new little girls, or maybe a boy. His adorable children come to visit him from the States. I just, the only thing that I'm worried about is that Teresa feels like she needs to perpetuate this old, old world kind of rule that you can never get a divorce when it's obvious that she has a boyfriend and he has cheated on her too. It's like, you're not fooling anybody. Just get a divorce. Call it a day.
0: When do you think she'll actually file? Or do you think he'll file for divorce?
1: Um, I'm sure that he would be more likely. I think it just seems like over the course of the many seasons she's been on this show, she's proven herself to be somebody still holds true to the old world Italian ways Yeah. that she's somehow unable to file for a divorce. It's like, it's like she's letting her entire family down, but I mean, just let it go. Just get a divorce.
0: I I mean, at this point they've both gone to prison. Like,
1: (laughs) yeah, I mean there's clearly you've drifted apart and it, no one cares. Like, just live your best life.
0: I mean, she is. She has her young boyfriend, and she's you know she's not shy about it
1: yes. No, but that but she is straight on the TV show. She's gonna say, "No, I don't have a boyfriend. I don't have a boyfriend." What are you guys talking about? And it's like well, the pictures of you in Greece dancing with him. We're not. We're no one's an idiot here. Like we know you have a boyfriend. Who cares? She's gonna get a divorce.
0: Do you think that this new season will live up to the hype?
1: Um. Possibly. I think I'm someone who's not really interested in Teresa's storyline that much. I just never felt I didn't find the two of them pretty captivating. And I, I, I find that this whole notion of like, you have to stay with your husband, even though he cheats to be absurd. So I get frustrated watching that. And so I think that the Margaret Danielle Staub kind of relationship is way more interesting. I like Jackie's storyline too, having all these kids, obviously I relate to that, but I tend to feel burned out by a lot of the housewife shows with women that have been on the show for a very long time. Cause I always feel like I know your story. It's time for some, new, like some fresh blood. You can't cycle storylines anymore. Like the world's changed in the last 10 years. You should change too.
0: What did you think about Jacqueline tweeting out recently about Danielle pulling Margaret's hair extensions in the trailer? And yet back in, what was it, season two, Danielle tried to uh, sue Ashley for pulling her hair extensions out.
1: Well, she's right. Um, It's the hypocrisy from the highest order. It's absolutely hypocritical. I, I just can't. I think Danielle's sob is unwatchable. And as I understand it, they all sort of come to the same conclusion that she's too difficult to be around. I think she's clinging to the opportunity to be on TV. And I think housewives don't work out well when you can see somebody who is desperate, acting out for cameras and not living their life. There are some people that are in real housewives. Who like Margaret, where the television show is just a side part of their life, and there are other people that it it, it, it for them encapsulate encapsulates encapsulates everything of their you know all their entire life. So I think that that once that happens, you kind of start to lose lose viewers.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a reason they're not giving her you know a, an opening credit, and they're not making her a full time housewife. I think one, she's a liability, and two, like. They really only bring her in when they have to, if like things get a little dull. But I think at this point, like they don't really need her. And I don't think much of the audience even cares to see her anymore because her her antics are so outlandish that like it doesn't it's not real and it doesn't feel authentic. It just feels like she's trying. She's desperately trying so hard to stay on. She needs to be on Desperate Housewives, not Real Housewives.
1: Right. And Doug, so you know that I interview a lot of producers on my show and I interview lots of people that work in you know, all areas of production, really. And I had an interesting conversation once with the creator of Real Housewives of Orange County and then another similar conversation about a week ago with a casting agent for Real Housewives. And both men said that it's really difficult when you're casting because you want to find somebody who – has a very full life, but is not is does not want to is, is such a super fan of the show that they are acting up for cameras. you right, know what I mean right. um and I feel like the longer that these seasons are on, it's more difficult to find somebody who really is is a good fit and the casting agent said, I know if someone's right for the show within two minutes or if they're wrong so if somebody answers the phone and I, and the first thing out of their mouth is you would not even believe the drama that's going on right now in my life. Well, no one who's Swipe normal left. answers the phone like that. Yeah. That's somebody who's so desperate to be on television or if he's been out socially where, where there's like a group of housewives because you know, he's someone friends with them. And then someone joins the group. He can tell that they want to be on the show because they're encouraging everyone to drink more and, dance and act crazy, that's somebody who obviously is desperate to be on the show. When someone's desperate to be on the show, you you have a hard time trusting anything that they present to you. Is your marriage real or are you staying married because you want um, to project some sort of image? It, it's hard as a viewer to trust any decisions that someone makes when you can tell that they aren't playing up to cameras. So um, I think that's that's kind of the trouble with Danielle is that people don't really know what what is authentic and what is not. And I think the hypocrisy with the the hair weave, it just sort of it is is an example of the trouble that we have with her as a viewer.
0: Do you think she'll come back next season or do you think they're cutting her loose? No,
1: No, I don't think she'll come back. I think also that, you know, these are people who take their jobs really seriously in terms of the, the creators and the producers and the cameraman and, you know, if somebody's difficult to work with, that makes their life more difficult. It's no different than someone working in an office job. If you've got an account director that makes everyone's life difficult, you know, people need to reassess whether or not they're an essential person on a team. And, you know, it is a television show about women's lives interconnected, but it's not worth it to work with somebody who makes everything difficult.
0: I agree. What do you think about Brandy Glanville? Because I feel like she she's kind of an interesting uh, reality TV star because she kind of brings the heat, but at the same time, there is a little bit of that. Uh, I don't want to say desperation, but like, I guess it's more because she needs the job more than she wants to be on television. But what do you think about Brandy and and her potentially coming back to or making cameos on Housewives again in the new season?
1: I could see why people feel that way. And I know that housewives have said, have said things like, well, I'm, uh, I don't feel safe around her. But I, I think that when it comes down to it, Brandy somebody who's very, she's vociferous. She is, she emotes feelings, she's very open. And I think that that's a fantastic quality of a housewife, somebody who wears their heart on the sleeve, that they're willing to reveal how they feel, even if it makes the people around them uncomfortable because they're being truthful to how they feel in that moment. For the real houses of Beverly Hills, sometimes I think as viewers, we feel like they contain their emotions because they're constantly thinking about their image. And one of the nice things about Brandy is she sort of cuts through that and gets people to react on camera, not in a, in an inauthentic way, um, but especially because she's somebody who kind of pushes on this idea of what it is to be a the personification of a real housewife in the city of Beverly Hills, which is typically like, If you're a housewife there, your husband is an agent or runs a network and you have to have this very, very structured image and that she's somebody who is the what was the wife of a soap opera actor who became an actor in like Lifetime movies and that. She was in the background for all these years, but happened to be this really beautiful, eccentric woman. And that her husband cheated on her and she was like, I'm not going down. You know, I'm not going to go down. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to scream that I was wronged. And I think that's so unlike a lot of the women in Beverly Hills who sort of like,
0: Sweep they under eat it under the rug, yeah.
1: Yeah, they eat it. They 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 move on to the next husband, maybe, or maybe they're just the starter wife and they're forgotten about. And she was she's like an interesting person because it's it's um, it, she, they're all of these women who are sort of the, the women in the background that get cheated on, and she wasn't willing to do that, just sit in the background. So I think she's that's an essential story for that city. So I think she's essential that way, and I think she's essential because she pushes these women to be a little bit more forthright about their emotions. I think as a viewer, you have to also remember the way that the the role of the production, uh, telling the story of women in different cities and they're all different cities there. They're different dynamics. Right. Atlanta right. is a city of people who are really deep in the entertainment industry. You know, like the hip hop world, that when you think of hip-hop, you think of Atlanta now. Some of the biggest producers are there. And now Tyler Perry has this movie studio. So the typical background wife there, the dynamics are different than a, a wife in Dallas. A wife in Dallas, their husband works in the oil industry or the gas industry. And then you throw in the social dynamics of the deep South. And then the wife in New York is much different too. You need to have a wife in New York whose husband is in finance and what is it like to be the back in the background in this global city where finance is like one of the marquee industries. So I always think of it that way, but I, I maybe I think of it in a little bit more of a cerebral way <laughs> than other people, but like Camille Grammer, she is a perfect housewife for Beverly Hills because she was married to Kelsey Grammer and here she what people don't know about camille is that she was the brains behind a lot of the projects that he worked on like that show medium starring patricia arquette that was her idea and i think that that was an essential story to tell in that city because there are so many, countless of the women behind the man in the entertainment industry that is the one responsible for cultivating relationships with the talent or the other agents coming up with ideas and what it's like to go to the dinner parties and to be the forgotten woman, the cheated on jilted wife. I mean, that was a really important story for the producers to tell in the city of Beverly Hills. So it doesn't matter that you hate her, that she says outlandish things. She really isn't like the personification of a Beverly Hills housewife.
0: So why don't you think they brought her back this season? Why do you think they let her go?
1: Well, there's then there's this whole other dynamic that you have to remember that they're trying to make a show about the intersection of women in a city and that ideally it works best like New York because they have authentic friendships. You know, it's difficult for them to make a really compelling show when the women don't really uh, connect off screen. In New York, they all hang out all year. And then also you'll see in reunions, they can fight, but they let things kind of roll off their back and they can move into the, the next season and have a good sense of humor about it. And it gets really difficult to have that kind of dynamic when the women don't have authentic friendships. I think it's always difficult, for example, in Orange County to tell a story just like they do in New York, because a lot of these women, you know, they would never be friends outside of the TV show. There's a huge age, age gap. Um, they don't live anywhere near each other. Like in New York, you know, they're going to the same events. Their friendship, their, their friend groups cross over. But in Orange County, you know, uh, Vicky lived in Coto de Casa. That is like 45 minutes, if not more, away from Kelly Dodd. They're not in the same age range. Their friend friend groups don't cross over. They don't work in the same industry. So it's like they're showing up and, you know, it's kind of like think about you and your group of friends. If you go and you go out for drinks and you see somebody once a year, you know, it's nice to catch up for 10 minutes, but then you kind of move on to the next person because you're not really invested in someone you never really see.
0: Right. Or that you don't have like years of history with.
1: Correct. So I think that that's the other problem with Camille is that she wasn't really tight with any of these women anymore. They had grown so frustrated with her for whatever reason that they they kind of iced, iced her out. And I think that that's sort of like the talent. They kind of have figured out ways after all these years to kind of maneuver around production. Like, you know, people have been saying for years that Jill Zarin used to say, to everybody don't film with bethany because yeah. if you don't film with her she she's less um it, it kind of diminishes her power so i think that some of the gameplay of the housewives deep inside too i mean brian Moylan from vulture.com is writing a book right now about real housewives and i'm excited to read it because i think he's going to explore all these themes
0: what's the book called and when is it coming out i want to get that
1: I don't, he's still writing it now, so I'm not sure, but I think it's going to be fantastic.
0: Do you think, so Spencer Pratt has come out uh, recently saying, because they're getting ready to tape the new season of The Hill's New Beginnings, and he wants Cody Simpson on the show because Cody is now dating Miley, And Miley was dating Caitlyn, who was dating Brody. So he kind of wants Cody to come into the mix to, I guess, stir up some type of old drama with Caitlyn and Brody. Do you think somebody like Cody Simpson would make a good reality TV star?
1: Well, first, what I have to say is that Spencer is an extremely clever person who would probably be a great executive producer of reality television. Oh, yeah. And people laugh about Spencer, but he's very clever. So when you see him making suggestions for the show it's because he always is thinking about how to make the show have the greatest ratings now I used to talk to him about the hills and I would tell him you know Brandon is such a star you got to tell that story more and he like absolutely agree he knows what the audiences want and that the MTV is really great at telling life stories in that 20 to 30 range so he I think, can see who would be a good fit for, for the show, given the needs of the MTV audience and what stories are would be authentic to the group of people that are filming. And I don't think he really cares that much about Caitlin Carter, but I do think that he sees the opportunity for that that love story uh, or the demise of their relationship and and the public's interest in Miley and the people that are in her orbit at the moment would be great for MTV ratings. So I think he's spot on. I'm sure Cody Simpson will be dating Miley for another three weeks and then she'll find somebody new. I think she's just somebody who is pretty amorous and I'm, you know, more power to her. She's like, listen, I don't want to be totally serious with anybody. I just don't. Like, she doesn't have to be a parent. If she doesn't want to have kids. It's totally fine. Um, and I think the people that probably date her from now, uh, you know, after Liam, kind of understand that. I don't think someone's going to marry uh, Miley Cyrus and think we're going to be married for forty years and have, yeah, you know, three kids. She probably not. That's not kind of the life that she sees for herself. So if you're dating Miley Cyrus I'm gonna give your your shelf life like you know three to six weeks maybe I think Caitlin was kind of an example of that I think that Cody also has an agenda I mean isn't he like an aspiring singer he said something like I was sitting by Miley after her tonsillitis surgery and I wrote I wrote an, an a, a song for her and she encourage me to put it up on iTunes like hello okay management and PR in the background kind of orchestrating this um you know I think that he sees the opportunity to get some press if he can, needs to go on a show and it's going to be a fantastic platform for him to grow his his career why not
0: I mean I think it's doing good uh, you know it's doing a lot for Brandon's career I think some people kind of knew of Brandon but they don't it, they, I mean, I think now he definitely has uh, people have built an appreciation for him and, and really like watching his story, whereas before he was probably just known as like a model that was the son of Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson.
1: And, and I stand by what I said. I think he is the real star of that show. I find his life story very fascinating. He seems to be a, a, a pretty humble person to date. That could change, obviously, mm-hmm. with more fame he gets, but pretty... Um, a pretty rational person. He, he, he gets that he's famous. You know, people are, are taken with him at first because of his parents. And I'm sure he has to go through life with a certain set of lenses on like, does this person really want to know me for me or for my, for access to my parents or the people that I know because of my parents? Um, and the fact that he is a former addict, I find very interesting because he's extremely vocal about it and mm-hmm. so young. So I think that's a great story to tell other people that are suffering with addiction issues. And uh, he seems pretty level-headed. And I think that's just, I think it's really um, captivating. So I think he's the true star of the show, but I would like to see him do his own show. I don't really want to see him on the hills anymore because I don't think that he has much too much in common with all these, like, it doesn't make sense for him to be hanging out with Heidi or Whitney Port because I don't see really any way that they would connect outside of the show. I'd like to see the people that are in Brandon's everyday life. And maybe that's a sober coach. Maybe that's uh, the group of friends that he wants to work on TV projects with. The four, I think sometimes people worry about in terms of production, like the fourth wall can't be broken down. But truthfully, he all of these opportunities are coming out of this show. And I would love to see a window into that. How does he juggle the kind of projects that he chooses, evaluating the relationships that that he makes with people after the show, uh, the fame that came from the show. I mean, obviously he's at an age where it's like he can hook up with any girl, but given who his parents were, does that make him rethink about a committed relationship and if he ever wants to get married and, and how does he feel about sex since his parents had a sex tape? I just find all that stuff really
0: interesting. I agree. I think he needs his own show. I think you're right. He doesn't gel well with the other. I mean, he kind of fits, but like how many times can we see him talking on the beach with Brody who, you know, maybe is at the same, he is at the, at Brandon's age mentally, but like Brody is, they just don't have, I don't know. I just don't see that relate those relationships being very um, deep and, and kind of spilling with, like you said, like with Whitney and with, Heidi, like I think even them, Heidi, Whitney, Audrina, they're even kind of struggling a little bit to kind of build their relationships in a genuine in a genuine way where they were friends maybe back in the day, but their lives have all kind of changed so much that it just, it's not meshing as well. And I would definitely love to see Brandon I with just, his own show.
1: I just don't think that they're of the age anymore for an MTV audience. Yeah, I just for just that think type, type of MTV show. The audience is 20 to 30 coming of age, which is, one of the greatest times in your life is coming, of the, that coming of age time. It's like when you're shedding your family's ideologies, what you've been brought up to believe is the truth about the world. And that, that shift is so interesting once you're out on your own and you start your own job and you make friends that are outside of the world that your parents knew. And you really begin to figure out who you are as a person. It's such an important period of time. And I think that audrina and whitney and heidi they've all um, frankie and spencer they're, they've kind of moved past that period of time and so to have them kind of hanging out with brandon is this doesn't make sense yeah
0: i agree it's kind
1: agree. of like if i were to show up at, <laughs> at like a, a frat like a sorority party or a frat party like yeah. a like playing beer pong you'd be like lady you got five kids here <laughs>
0: No, I agree. I think, yeah, they need to, like, go back, go and, like, maybe do a show together as moms on Bravo. I think that would probably work a little better for, like, Heidi Whitney.
1: I'm telling you, nobody wants to watch that. (laughs) I just feel like, don't be greedy. You know what I mean? There's so many interesting people that are clamoring to get a show and don't. And we know who you are we've seen your life. And I think maybe it's time to go kind of in the background. I don't really need to know their stories anymore. I'd really like to see someone else's story. Maybe somebody who's come from, you know, the projects and are a self-made, you know, CEO of an app. And they're like 25. Like, that would be a great story to tell. Some of these recycled, like, reality stars, it's like, let the public go. Live your life privately. Let's see some new stories.
0: Yeah, and I think they're just, I think right now we're in the reboot era where, you know, it's, there's the nostalgia, but like, okay, perfect example was like the 90210, BH90210. nine hundred Did you watch that? I did not. And okay. I'll tell
1: you why. What? Even, I didn't really like the 90210, the, the original. original. Yeah. Whenever I even, like, watch old episodes, I'm like, you know, it's like, really? You have a DJ in your high school? Oh, okay, that makes zero sense. It just seemed improbable. And, you know, the real Beverly Hills High School was not, like, all these white kids. It's an extremely diverse high school. Yeah. So yeah. it just seems so dumb. I think that's why people love The Shah's of Sunset, too, is because that's an, a little bit more of an act, accurate portrayal of what it's like to live uh, in, in that area. It's not yeah. like... David Silver on a skateboard going into the DJ booth at his high school and then like recording star Shanice walks by before chemistry class. I mean, it's so stupid.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, I agree and I called it when BH90210 the the new one when it first premiered. I saw the first episode and I was like, okay, this is it was it was good, but it was a cute like 90 minute maybe 60 minute 90 minute um reunion episode but i didn't like th- the writing and the acting and even the um the storyline just didn't it wasn't strong enough that they were banking on just the nostalgia of bringing the cast back together that they thought that was going to carry the show which it did for the first episode But I was like, but without, you know, and without and it was also very genre bending where you didn't know if it was a drama or a comedy. And there was like the parody of them playing themselves that like it just the formula didn't work. And I think that's what we're seeing now with a lot of these shows is we're rebooting them and they're coming back. And it's like, oh, nice and exciting. And then they have a a spike in ratings for episodes one and two. And then it drops off because the the show itself isn't good.
1: It, and all it—it it just should have been like a one-night event. Yeah, it should not be a uh, ten-episode series. It's just not that
0: interesting. Did you catch Shannon Doherty on the Riverdale tribute to Luke Perry?
1: No, because <laughs> I remember the day that he died. I'm laughing just because I got all these text messages. Do you believe Luke Perry died? And I was like, Yeah, I guess. I for some so many people. They just love that show, yeah. Nine Hundred Two and O, and obviously so many people like Riverdale. But I, am not real. I wasn't really that emotionally tied to Luke Perry. I
0: don't know. No, I mean I agree. I think the only people that were really into Luke Perry were the ones that grew up watching him on Nine Hundred Two and Because I mean, personally, other than Nine Hundred Two and O, I don't really know anything that he was very well known for. I mean, maybe no, he I was. Don't. I just I didn't follow his career that closely.
1: No, I, don't,
0: I think, yeah. I, but I did, I saw the tribute. I thought it was nice. I thought the way they tied her in was nice. I watched Riverdale more than I'm a nine zero two 90210 fan. I like Riverdale. I thought the first season was great, um, but seasons two and three were really, really bad that I'm hoping there's some sort of redemption for season four or else they just need to take it off the air because it's, it's a little cuckoo for me. Um, let, let's talk Vanderpump Rules really quickly because I love Vanderpump Rules and the new season's going to be coming up later this year. Are you excited for the new season? And what do you think is going on with Stassi, Katie, and Kristen?
1: I'm not that excited. I feel like, I feel like I've been watching the same show for many years. It's a, it's, I, I feel like, uh, we need some fresh meat. I think that what people loved about Vanderpump Rules, and this is coming from somebody who has had countless guests recap episodes for me over a three-year period, the thing, and it's typically men that would reach out to me and say, oh my gosh, I love that show. And it was because it sort of, it captured a part of people's lives where you know you you don't have any responsibilities real responsibilities that many responsibilities before you have children and you can kind of wake up late and be diabolical and and that's kind of over because they're all getting married and then they're talking about having children so it it's it's less of an escape show once you have people that have to get marriage licenses and and they're procreating, it just doesn't make it as interesting. It's like, it's like people on that are Instagram influencers. I, I see this. And then all of a sudden they get pregnant and then people are like, because they wanted to see them in bikinis and not having responsibilities. And then all of a sudden you shake responsibility in front of people and they're like, well, that's not what I signed up for. So I think that that's a problem, unless they get some new staff, but the problem with the new staff is they don't have the history that the original cast had. Now, the Kristen Stassi thing, I think a lot of people actually can relate to. And from what I understand, it's because of Kristen's relationship with Carter, and she probably bitches about him all the time. He's a terrible boyfriend, blah, 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 but she doesn't do anything about it. And so... As a friend, you kind of hear the same song and dance all the time. And at some point you're like, if you don't break up with them, I don't want to hear about it
0: anymore. Yeah. And that's also like like a 21 year old problem of like dating the same guy and getting back with him and then complaining about it not working. Like that's the problem you have in college when you're 21, 22, and you just can't quit the bad boy.
1: Correct. And I don't think people really want to, to deal with that over 10 years. It's like, you better cut your losses. I've got bigger fish to fry. Sassy's like, I'm going on a book tour. I'm I'm getting married. Like my life's going in a new direction. And when I have free time and I get to spend it with a friend, I don't want to hear the same complaints. Like if you're not going to do anything about it, the term, you know, the term like shit or get off the pot. It's like, I've had enough. And I think all of us have been in that spot before. And your patience grows really thin. And you know what? Like, you know you're in your 20s there are going to be so many people that you're friends with right now you will not be friends with in your 40s because you switch jobs you move away they get in a crappy relationship that's the part that sucks about growing older is like you have a great friend and you have so much in common and then they start dating somebody who makes them less of themselves or they stay in a bad relationship and your patience grows thin, or you get, you know, just get annoyed because they're not the same person they were before they met that person. And you just kind of go, I got to walk away. And sometimes you circle the wagons back and you become friends again. But in most cases, you don't. You're just like, I'm going to move on.
0: Yeah. Your lives, your lives change. And either some people continue to grow with you on the path that you're on, or they stay stuck in the past, or they go on in a different direction.
1: It's like high school. Think about high school. How many people do you actually talk to still from high school? Oh,
0: God. Only one that like hits me up because he wants to hook up.
1: There you go. (laughs) One. That's it. That's it. But when you're in high school, you're like, we're going to move on from here and we're going to live near each other after we go to college together. It's like it doesn't, you know, it's the same thing in every decade of your life. Like, you know, people who have newborns. They're in like little groups and we all have newborns together. And then the kids grow up a couple of years and then you realize the only thing we had in common is the fact we happen to have a baby in the same month at the same hospital. Besides that, we have nothing in common. Yeah. Just you went to high school with somebody doesn't mean you have anything in common with them.
0: So true. Um, before we close out, I just have to give a shout out to Jane Fonda. Did you see her get arrested for protesting <laughs> at, at, on the Capitol in, in Washington, D.C.? Of course. I mean, she is just a bad bit. She is still, all these years later, she's what in her 80s, and she's still out there, an activist, not afraid, getting arrested, getting thrown in the slammer, and then, you know, filming Grace and Frankie. Like, she's just multifaceted, and I just, I love Jane Fonda.
1: You know, I think it's, like, a good reminder to all of us that the most important thing that we have is our own set of values and that we should always stay true to that. And so when you feel like someone's been wronged or you're passionate about a subject, that you should always stay true to your own convictions. And if that means that you got to get arrested and when you're 80 years old, so be it. But, you know, just have a, a, a code of uh, of ethics, like a set of values and stay true to it.
0: When that's I, what you know, I, it's funny because
1: I have a lot of conversations offline with housewives uh-huh. because I end up – or reality stars really – And they'll come to, they'll ask me advice about something. And I feel like invariably my advice is always, does this person share your set of values? If they don't, then you move on. And that's just kind of like life in general. This is my life advice as someone who's a little bit older than 20. You'll, when when you think about the people that you have connections to or that you meet, ask yourself all the time, do these people share my set of values? That means, Do they believe that you should always be respectful of others, that you don't cheat people out of money or time, that you don't um, break the law, that you don't um, cheat a partner out of something in business, like all those things. Like If they don't share your set of values, they should not be in your life.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's like one of the most frustrating parts that you see now, especially with people growing up and they're on social media, they're on Instagram, and they see all these influencers and like, these people, like, yes, have influence, but it's like, what are they doing? They're, they're pimping out, you know, sugar bear hair gummies, and like, like, they just have no substance to them. And they have nothing that they're no moral compass, nothing that they stand behind, other than really pretty glamorized photos.
1: Also, here's the thing that troubles me with the whole influencer thing is that a lot of people don't realize that there's so many tricks that are going. I did a whole Patreon episode about this. If anybody wants to go back and listen to it, oh. I get to tell you all the tricks that these Instagram influencers use and it's just not real. So you're looking at a picture and you're thinking this person has a really, um, a really interesting brand. I've spoken to so many influencer agencies that tell me that people are scrupulous, like they've no scruples. They'll hashtag ad when they don't even have a deal with a company just to make themselves look like they're an influencer getting paid. I mean, people are in comment pods, they buy a like, they buy comments. If you look at someone's followers and they have 480,000 followers, but only five people comment on their picture and they get 129 likes, that is not real. So you are, you are scrolling through, you're looking at this person and you're beating yourself emotionally because you think they have more access to opportunities because they have a bigger platform than I do. It is simply not the truth. And even if people are following them, a lot of them are probably hate following them. Mm-hmm. They want to like screenshot it and show it to their friend, can you believe this ridiculous person posing like this or wearing this dumb outfit? you want people who to follow you who think, I really respect who that person is. I like how creative they are. I really admire um, how hard they work. That's an authentic follow. That's somebody who really uh, respects you. If somebody comments on your photo and they're saying, "I, I, you know, I love what you did here, or I love this project that you're working on. Don't you want somebody to comment on the things that you bring to the table and not about the image? I always, um, say it's more important to build, to build a business than an image. It's mm-hmm. easy to take a picture that's filtered, but at some point people have to look at them across the table and you have to see somebody without you know, the bird filter oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. or the lighting. You have to show up and be your actual self. And you have to be more interesting than a filtered picture. You have to be a smart, creative, um, compelling person. So, don't look at Instagram and beat yourself up because you don't have 27,000 followers. Because most of the people that pretend to have 27,000 followers are doing just that, pretending.
0: Yeah. And it's all smoke and mirrors. And, like, look, there's going to come a day where Instagram is not going to be what it is right now. And there's going to be a new platform or there's going to be a new quote unquote influencer category you know that's
1: already happening like i know so many women that kind of carved out this persona as like a mom influencer which by the way i'm like that's a hot minute i mean (laughs) how many people really care what diaper you're using not many okay um but i know a lot of them are really freaking out because their other new platforms are emerging and they've had this sort of like this sense of like power i have 350 thousand followers and i have a, a you know a, a cleaning company that will pay me eight thousand dollars to do a post about how i, I love to use these sponges but podcast for example that's a new platform and so it's funny because a lot of instagram influencers now say to me oh i need to have a podcast oh it's i like, hate
0: that question i hate when they, come they, to have, with that.
1: they have no idea what they're talking about mm-hmm. and they also don't realize that just because you make a pretty picture does not mean that people are going to want to listen to an hour of you talking. Yeah. Or like you're it's an totally interesting
0: stupid. person. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of, I find it actually a little bit gratifying to see the kind of the demise of the, and I think Caroline Calloway is kind of an example of oh, that. Yeah. There's the demise of the Instagram influencer. And so I guess I, my advice would be to never paint yourself in a corner um, with one media platform. And, and you know, you can build one up, but always have your eye on the, what the new one is going to be and never get too confident with your success on one platform because everyone's expendable. There's always I mean, someone around the corner who is more creative than you are at the moment. Look so, at Tila Tequila.
0: Tila Tequila was huge on MySpace. Then she had a show on VH1. And, like, now okay. where is she?
1: Oh, I don't even. I can't even begin to imagine. She was so gross. So gross, but, but see, yeah, it's so but true. yeah, that's
0: the thing. And so many of these people that have all their millions of followers on on Instagram right now, like, there's gonna come a day where, like, you have to start thinking thinking about like your career longevity and like. And if you are going to build a quote unquote personal brand and if, if there is an image of your, you know, who you are that you want to portray to the world, then like that's going to need to go well beyond just one platform. And like that's where it has to be genuine. Otherwise, like, yeah, you can take a bunch of pretty photos all in the same filter doing similar poses, traveling or, you know, doing whatever it is that your your niche is. But like eventually, like you're going to have to realize that like if this is what you want to do and with your career, like you're going to have to think about what those other platforms are and how you're going to continue to grow that brand and that business beyond right now.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And one last thing is be mindful of what you're posting. And what does that say about you? Mm -hmm. You know, it used to be if you took a picture of yourself and posted it, you were vain. Being called vain was was a terrible thing. And now I'm flabbergasted at people's willingness to post pictures that they take of themselves in a mirror. I'm like, you probably took 120 photos before you chose that perfect one. Yep. And you seem to be oblivious to the fact of how vain you look. I don't know. Is that somebody I would want to do business with? No. If I see, if I'm looking for a guest for a segment and I see somebody taking selfies, I'm like, well, it goes right back to that. Does this person share my values? Yeah. They don't because I don't, I, I think it's more important to show how, smart you are and how a creative thinker you are than that you have that you look nice in a in a in a mirror in a hallway in some nightclub you know
0: yeah right I agree thank you so much Casey what is your favorite emoji
1: I love that one that's sort of like it's winking but it's sort of confused it's like I don't know kind of that that's my because I feel like that answers my feelings on most things
0: <laughs> okay, so anybody that's listening right now, leave that emoji in a review and let me know what you thought of our episode today. And Casey's hot reality—I mean, I love you. Need to be like a reality producer, Kate. Okay, like you really no. are. You really are I- like so like you understand the mechanics of television that I have no. Um, I'm not surprised that you're now going to be producing. Are you? you you're going to be producing TV shows or you're writing TV shows or what is? Um, what is yeah. your career in television going?
1: Um, creating TV shows. Yep. Reality television or do, more like docu-series. I feel like after, first of all, I feel like I've always been sort of like an anthropologist in my own way, cultural anthropologist. And then I feel like after all these years, I've interviewed so many people from different shows and producers and casting agents and directors that I I, I feel like I have a good sense of what people like to watch, what works, um, who's authentic in television and who's not. I'm to say that some of my favorite interviews have been with people that arguably would be considered the the lowest kind of garbage person they've been the most interesting uplifting um thoughtful people and the people that are everyone loves to follow on instagram because they were on bachelor in paradise or you know or the bachelorette or whatever they're actually my least favorite so um i don't know it's been just like kind of a fun ride um but you should check out my show if you want to learn more about people that you see on TV. Because sometimes I feel like on TV, they appear one dimensional. And by interviewing mm-hmm. them, I, I always hope that they can become sort of like a three dimensional person, like a little bit more relatable. You understand their backstory a little bit. So then when you're watching them, you kind of make it makes more sense how they behave.
0: Yep. And that's Reality Life with Kate Casey. And it's available on, all, all, I, on all streaming platforms.
1: Correct. Yes. Yeah.
0: I love it. And when do you release like new episodes?
1: Like every, um, Tuesday night at midnight and Thursday night at midnight, two episodes a week. I've got a really great Patreon where I go more than reality TV. I talk about Jeffrey Epstein and Caroline Calloway and the Madoff scandal and other things inside like Instagram influencer world and all of that. I'm, I'm like, uh, somebody who loves vanity fair. So it's the kind of stuff that you read about in vanity fair. I cover. Um, but then, um, I've got some great upcoming episodes like this next week or this week I'm interviewing the long Island media, Teresa Caputo. Um, I'm going to be interviewing some housewives. So always, always really interesting. And I also talk about really great shows that I find, you know, it, sometimes you're like, okay, what do I watch because there's so many things on TV and what's a good, like this week, a, gr- a great show to watch is a three part series on TLC of all places called taken at birth about Mm -hmm. a doctor in the south who was running an illegal baby ring 200 babies in the 50s and 60s and it kind of unravels that story and i thought that was really well done so i would recommend that watch
0: okay i'm adding that to my list
1: it was really good and then another great show is on showtime it's called couple therapy and it follows these four couples in their couple therapy sessions, but also with a the therapist when she meets with her clinical advisor. So it's sort of like, as my guest uh, uh, explained it, it's like watching an NFL coach go through plays. Like you really kind of figure out how hard it is to be a therapist. Um, and then, I mean, there's so many great shows. So a temptation Island looks really good this season too.
0: Okay. I'm going to need to add those to my list. Thank you so much, Kate, for coming on the show, for chatting with me.
1: You should be watching Temptation Island. Oh, I I feel like
0: I, I, yeah, I haven't seen, I haven't seen much of it, but I feel like that's what I need because I was in love with Love Island and I know everyone's talking about Temptation Island, but I, I haven't gotten much into like the bachelor or any of those shows, but like, I feel like I would be into Temptation Island. Yeah.
1: It's, it's not as, um, Love Island's interesting because they do, they have a lot of sex, but they're very civilized.
0: Yeah. Surprisingly, <laughs> so right. You you would expect it to be a little more raunchy.
1: Yeah, they but they're so polite. It's, it's, it's a juxtaposition.
0: is hysterical. It is. It really is. Well, thank you again so much, Kate. I love chatting with you. I love listening to your podcast and everybody else needs to go and listen to your podcast too. Thank you, Kate. Where? Kate. What is your Instagram or social media handles for people to follow you?
1: So my Instagram is at KateCaseyCA. My Twitter is at Kate casey. You can find a Facebook group for my show, Reality Life with Kate Casey. Just put that in the search button. And we deep dive on reality shows all week long. Like today, I think we're, we're talking a lot about Wow and Jersey Shore. So it's always different every day.
0: I love it. And you can follow me at JustPlainZach on all social media platforms. Katie, I feel like this is not going to be the last time that we talk. You're going to have to come back. on Well, I hope not. No, I I mean, I'm going to pick your brain so much more as I'm watching reality TV. And I'm like, oh, my God, what do you think of this person? Is this person coming back? I love it.
1: Just text me.
0: I will. Thank you so much, Kate. Guys, you can listen to Hashtag No Filter to Zach Peter every Monday on Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all the places. We're also now on Luminary. I don't know what the fuck Luminary is, but we're there. So if you have the Luminary app, be sure to subscribe to us there. Give me a five-star review on iTunes because I love that validation. Um, and until next time, I'm going to go binge some of these shows that Kate recommended. Okay, bye.